0: Peaks and valleys up and down within the groove. This technique was also known as the hill and dale recording and playback process. For playing records made using the vertical technique, proper tracking of the grooves was mandatory. Thus, the tone arm had to be extra heavy. In some cases, they were even spring loaded to allow the stylus to track to the depth of the groove. This extra weight or pressure on the record frequently resulted in audible surface noise on some players and caused the discs to wear out much faster than lateral records. And the vertical technique was soon abandoned by most companies. The one record company that stubbornly stuck with the vertical technique was the National Recording Company and their Edison label. In fact, Edison's insistence on staying with verticals nearly to the end is what eventually put the company out of business. Path A and early OKs were other examples of vertically recorded discs. To further complicate things, when almost all other labels were recording laterally, Edison records were almost four times as thick as other records and utilized a microgroove which required an Edison-designed diamond stylus and special soundbox too. One can only imagine the number of thick Edison records that have been unintentionally destroyed over the years by playing them on conventional lateral phonographs. The Edison Company had been fully devoted to cylinder phonographs, but concerned with the flat discs' rising popularity, Edison Associates began developing their own disc player and discs in secret, Dr. Jonas Aylesworth. Chief chemist for Edison and later, after his retirement in 1903, a consultant for the company, took charge of developing a plastic material for the discs. The aim was to produce a superior sounding disc that would outperform the shellac records of rival companies, which were prone to wear and warping. Another difference from competitors' discs was that the vertical cut method was still to be used for the grooves. 10-inch records would run for five minutes per side at approximately 80 revolutions per minute. Although Edison Associates initially worked on the project in secret, when Edison discovered it, he took control of this new project and gave it a great deal of personal attention. Ellsworth molded phenol and formaldehyde mixed with wood flour and a solvent into a heat-resistant disc that always remained absolutely flat plain and which was an essential requirement of a practical disc record. A phenolic resin varnish called condensite was applied to the core and then the disc was stamped in the record press. The finished 10-inch disc weighed 10 ounces, heavier than most, partially due to the 1 quarter-inch thickness of the record. Playing them required a unique Edison Company stylus with a diamond point. The disc phonograph and the Edison discs were designed to be an entire system incompatible with other discs or players. The new Edison disc phonograph was shown for the first time publicly at the 5th Annual Convention for the National Association of Talking Machine Jobbers at Milwaukee, Wisconsin on July 10th through the 13th, 1911. It was reported to the press that the new machine was based on Edison's British 1878 patent in order to deter claims of copyright infringements with Victor or Berliner. The new machine was also mentioned in the Edison Phonograph Monthly in July of 1911, but it was over a year before the disc players, or discs, would be offered for sale. By the end of 1912, three basic models of the Edison disc phonograph had been designed, ranging in price from $150 to $250, a substantial amount of money in the 1900s. Prices for the discs started from $1.15 and ranged to $4.25, but later they came down to $1.35 and $2.25. The discs were expensive to make because of the complicated chemical process required. Thomas Edison's brilliance extended to every area of his work, including marketing. To pique public interest in the Edison disc phonograph and gain acceptance, recitals were conducted to prove the merit of the discs. Edison recording artists would sing along with a disc recording of their voices, daring the audience to be able to tell the difference. In late 1915, the Edison Phonograph Company began its famous tone tests, which featured artists on a darkened stage in front of a large audience alternating between their live performances and their performances recorded on an Edison disc, challenging the audience to detect a difference. Reaction was positive to these tests and reinforced...